it to the Easy Yoga Podcast with myself, Gemma Nice, Easy Yoga founder, author, yoga coach, and relationship coach. It is my pleasure to have you here and for you to feel energized, calm, happy, and for you to have the perfect relationship with yourself, your partner, and your family without seeing a family therapist, changing your personality, or leaving your job. You will learn techniques and things to help you guide you through a better life through health, meditation, yoga, journaling, nutrition, and all things yoga for you to have the life you deserve and crave and for you to love yourself on a soul level. Thank you so, so much for being here today. And I am so grateful and so full of love to have you here. Enjoy this next episode. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode from Easy Yoga, all things relationships, well-being and yoga. And today my very special guest is Karen Liebengut. Karen is an accredited mindfulness teacher and executive and life coach, mentor and facilitator. She specializes in working with clients and natural settings. So welcome Karen, thank you for being here. Hello, thank you. I'm delighted to be here. And Yes, it's so nice to see you. Oh, we've crashed. Oh, there you are. <laughs> um, so yes, how did you get into uh, the mindfulness part or breath work or anything like that? Yeah, so just to clarify, I'm a coach and mindfulness teacher, and I actually started with coaching first in my career. So I, I became a, a life um, and executive coach in 2007. And um, I started uh, being getting interested in mindfulness and meditation a little bit later, sort of around 2008-9. And then I discovered that coaching and mindfulness complement each other very well. So coaching is really about change, getting from A to B. Um, mindfulness is very much about self-awareness, awareness of others, awareness of what's going on around us. And I got into it because um, when I came to London in 2001, I came for a, a, a corporate job and it was much more demanding uh, than I thought, very stressful, with little support, I didn't have line management or anything. I was promoted straight away to head up a team. And I suffered from anxiety, I suffered from not sleeping very well. My confidence um, went out of the window and I needed to do something. And so I looked into coaching because I had always been interested in personal development, professional development. So I did a, an introductory weekend to coaching and I loved it and could really see how I could learn very important skills to manage myself better, to be my own best leader, if you like, and to get to know myself better and to find out what my purpose was, how I wanted to spend my life and time, what was really important to me. And then I decided to do the coaching training and still it wasn't really to to make that my own career. But then when I got more and more into it and did more training and became more skilled, I wanted to share what I learned with others. So I wanted to become a coach to help others. And then I also got very interested in meditation, mindfulness, as I said, and then I discovered that the two work very well together. But they yeah. are distinct disciplines and practices, coaching and mindfulness. There are, aren't there? There are so many different ones. And it's it's just amazing that, did you find that you were quite stressed in your corporate job that you then went to mindfulness? Yeah, 
That's right. I went to really, I've suffered from stress, anxiety, lack of self-esteem, confidence. And yeah, I needed to do something about it. And, you know, I spoke obviously with different people and they suggested mindfulness. And also when I did my coaching training, I met a woman on my training who had been meditating for many years. So, you know, the seeds had been sown along the way. Definitely. And how long do you meditate? Or would you say, would you say like five minutes a day or one minute a day or an hour? What's best for like beginners, I suppose? Yeah, beginners. So obviously, it's not a good idea to begin with an hour. I now meditate every day for about 40 minutes to 50 minutes. But of course, when I started, I started with 10 minutes. We have to start small. We now know that 10 minutes are not enough to actually change the brain structure. We know the brain is plastic. We know this now from neuroscience. We know that meditation helps to change our neural pathways. Um, But we also now know from neuroscience that 10 minutes a day are not enough to have an impact on our habitual ways of thinking, feeling, behaving. It has to be more. It has to be more than 20 minutes. But for beginners, it's really important to start very small to make the practice sustainable. Because if 10 minutes, even 10 minutes feel too big, and it stops us from even beginning to meditate, well, that's not a good idea. So I always say, if you can sit for one minute, start with one minute. Because chances are, if you can sit for one minute, you can easily do two or three or five. But small, and then increasing the practice by a minute every day. Yeah, just because so many people think, oh, that you need to be a certain way or you need to sit a certain way and you don't. You can just go out for a walk if you want to. Yeah, yeah. And that's absolutely right. And I'm glad you mentioned because there are so many myths now about meditation and mindfulness, the way we need to sit or the way, you know, we must be in a beautiful, quiet environment. No. If we can, of course, create conducive conditions to steady the mind and to be present, great. But really, the practice is to be aware wherever we are of what's happening inside ourselves, in our relationship to other people and what's happening around us. So it's not a navel-gazing, self-absorbing practice, mindfulness. It's quite the opposite. It's relational because we are relational beings. We are in relationship to other people all the time. We are in relationship to our environment all the time. So it's very much a a relational practice. Yes. And so many people will come to me and you probably find it as well with your coaching, but with my coaching as well, people say, oh, I can't switch off. I lie down or I try to sit up and and do 10 minutes, but I've just got all these things to do that I need to, everything just keeps coming in. So I don't want 10 minutes because I've got this, this, this to do. So how would you get around that? Well, I think when we begin to practice mindfulness and become more aware of ourselves, we also become more of aware of what really matters to us. And as we begin to notice the effect of practicing mindfulness and how we feel, 
we become more aware of the preciousness of life and how we want to live and feel about ourselves in life. And it comes naturally in my experience, my own experience and seeing my clients who start to practice. When we notice the positive effect of becoming more aware of ourselves, we naturally want to do more and integrate, if you like, make time for practice. Because we find out that when we practice, we are much more grounded, we are much more connected to ourselves. And so everything else flows more easily in our life. So then we want to make time. We cannot squeeze in meditation practice. We have to make a choice and make time. That's the thing, isn't it? Making time. That is the one thing that everybody hasn't got or thinks they haven't got, but you need to eat so and you need to sleep so you make time for that so then you need to make time for meditation and it's not or, or yeah mindfulness it's not selfish and a lot of people think that it is selfish and self-care is selfish but it's not because you can then come from a different angle of it or if you're trying if you're struggling in a i don't know a situation that you don't know what to do with maybe family or work or anything by doing this you can then come at it at a different angle Absolutely. While we feel differently, we have a different perspective on things and we feel differently in ourselves. When we are in good relationship with ourselves, of course, other people benefit from it. Definitely. And when we notice that, so when we practice and become more aware of ourselves, become kinder to ourselves and others, we notice that that has an effect on other people. And so it's it's never a selfish navigating activity when we practice because whether we like it or not, it has an effect on other people, on our relationships, how we speak, how we act, or maybe you know how we don't act. <laughs> yeah, the choices we make. They so are. we begin to notice and then we naturally want to make time. And anyway, I think it's a myth that we don't have time because we all have 24 hours a day. And it's not time doing something to us. It's becoming aware that we can be an agent of how we want to spend our time. Yes, definitely. Because actually I read a book the, uh, a few months ago called Do Less by Kate Northrup. And she says in there, I don't know if she was then referring to another book, but um, it was saying something about you all have 24 hours. And then if you don't get your things done within that 24 hours, you've then got a whole nother new 24 hours the next day. So it really doesn't matter, but make time for yourself. And it is so true. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And it's such a myth. I think it really gets in the way that self-care and um, everything we do for ourselves is self-indulgent or selfish. It really isn't. No, it really isn't. It's quite the opposite. Yeah, yeah. You really have to kind of come back to what we used to do years ago, like what our ancestors do or did. And yeah, we're, we're so busy now and we're so connected and... And then in a way, that's a bad thing because we need to go back inward and go back out into nature and really figure out our own souls, ourselves and what we want to do. Yeah. Not just because yeah. someone's told us to do that. Yeah. And really remembering that when we look after ourselves, we have much more to give to others. 
Yes, definitely. We do, especially for families or if you've got children or yeah, uh, partners, anything like that. And then when you're struggling as well with a certain situation, you can then, you, you can feel different yeah. by coming back into that. And mindfulness, I think this practice of becoming more aware can help us become more aware of some of the views we hold. Now, I'm not, you know, there might be something, oh, meditation is self-indulgent or looking after myself um, is not the way to go. So we can be, become more aware of the sort of old stories we still buy into and examine them and really ask ourselves, you know, is this true? that you know that it's self-indulgent if i look after myself and the answer always is no when we really ask the question and it can be so freeing and it can make space for you know, some new way of being in the world and in life now we are going to go to a short break see you the other side Welcome, dear one, to Paradise. We are Collective Seeking Paradise. It is a feeling, not a place. And we believe that we hold all wisdom for healing. We share our experiences throughout our journeys, as well as gain tools and support to flow through life's highs and lows. We are here on a sole mission to guide each other through the process of finding the path to paradise. Now we have incredible news for you. In spring 2022, we are expanding our services to include our own app called Paradise Movement and we want to offer you exclusive access. This will include to have our virtual sanctuary as you know it, Paradise Movement. However, with the launch of our new app, there will no longer be a third party platform. We will just be a click away. This is a really easy to use app with lots of healing tools, e-programs and courses and lots and lots of healers which will help you on your path. I am one of these healers. So come over to this amazing app. It is incredible. Go to www.paradisemovementmvmnt.com for you to sign up and include yourself in this lifetime access for our full online sanctuary and for you to be healed. And would you say go out into nature or where where do you take your clients or what do you do with your clients? Yeah, so as you've mentioned, uh, I take my clients on a walk in nature in one of London's parks and green spaces. I also work online. Some people, particularly since the pandemic, are not based in London or the UK anymore. So my audience has broadened, my client base has broadened. For people who are in London, I take them on a walk in nature and we do the coaching work or the mindfulness work outside because when we are in nature, we are present immediately. You know, we feel grounded immediately and it's very, very helpful for the coaching or mindfulness work because it's such an in conducive uh, and grounding setting to do some self-exploration and to have a deeper conversation with oneself. Definitely. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And would you say take your shoes and socks off and really allow yourself to ground down? Yeah. If, if you know, some clients like to take their shoes off, but you don't have to, because as soon as we are in nature, 
And I always take my clients on a walk across the land, as I like to sell, across the grass, so I don't stay on the path in the park, because it just helps us to enter more fully nature and to create a confidential and more spacious environment away from the crowds on the path. And just walking on the earth is grounding and to feel the spaciousness around us and the beauty of trees and bushes and birds. But yes, some people like to take off their shoes to be even more close to nature and feel the grass and the earth. Yes. And I think children need to do that more as well. I teach my children to do that because it's kind of like we have to unlearn everything that we have been taught. And if we teach our children and they teach their children and yeah, it then just brings it all back back to uh, getting rid of any anxiety when they're grown up or or even as a child as well. And I think a lot of people now really do struggle with anxiety because there's so much pressure. There's so much like social pressure, both social media and everything like that, that we just don't know where to be or how to be a certain person or we have to follow that person and we can't be ourselves anymore. Yeah. Yeah, also because we spend so much on, of our time on the screen, on our computer screen or devices, particularly also many children, of course, and we become so disconnected from nature and our natural habitat, if you like. Yes, it's so true. Yeah. And do you bring nutrition into it as well? No, I'm not a nutritionist. And of course, it all hangs together, looking after ourselves, spending time in nature. So as soon as we become more interested in how we live and what's good for us and really tune into what, what is good for us, whether it's sleeping enough, eating healthily, spending time in nature, I have a very healthy diet and that, that has arisen because I, I know the effect it has on my sleep, on my meditation, on how I feel in myself. So when we begin to meditate, when we begin to spend more time outside, when we look after ourselves, we sleep better, we sleep more. We naturally want to eat healthily, maybe drink less alcohol. It's not about not having treats or treating ourselves or, you know, enjoying um, yummy food. Um, it, it's, more, it's it's all about awareness and how we feel and that we keep checking back what's good for us and what isn't so good for us. Yeah, definitely. That's really, it, it certainly is, it all goes together as one, really. Yeah. It really, really yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. And do you find that once your clients are working with you or that they do meditations or mindfulness, their posture is different, like they stand different, they carry themselves differently? Yeah, definitely there are changes, you know, whether it's in the coaching work or in the mindfulness work. I think what I usually and often see is that people just look taller because they're more in their body, they're more connected to their themselves, their heart, they know better who they are, they feel more confident, they have a more of a sense of purpose more sense of direction they they are more able to say fully yes to themselves and sort of in a loving accepting way so of course you know there's a it lifts the heart so we become taller we become bigger literally 
And that is expressed in body posture. We walk more confidently. You know, we are more fully in the world. So yeah, our head is more poised. Our whole posture is more dignified because we like ourselves as we are. You know, in a non-arrogant or showy, showing off way. Just naturally, yes, here I am. And this is how I am. And this is who I've, how I feel. And it's good. Yeah. And do you bring breath work into it as well? Yeah. Well, a big part of mindfulness practice is um, breathing, mindfulness of breathing, because the breath in the body is always there. So it's a very powerful anchor, the breath in the body to bring us back into the present moment, yeah, to drop out of the head and into the body. And the body, the breathing body is the place to live. Yeah, many of us live most of their time in the head, yeah, ruminating or worrying about the future, connecting to the breathing body and really feeling the breath in the body. Very, very powerful. It is true, definitely, because there's so many different breathwork practices and you need to find one that works for you, I think. But then also maybe one or two or three different ones that you can always come back to, maybe for stress or anxiety or just to bring yourself back into your body, whatever that might be that you're struggling with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we, we have to try a little bit. I'm always of the opinion that we don't have to go widely shopping for the practices that are good for us, it's, you know, to try out a few. And when, if there's one that is helpful, stick with that for a while. Because all practices that help us be more aware and be more in the body and live better and feel better about ourselves and love are very similar. They just sometimes come from a slightly different angle. But they all have one thing in common, which is about helping us to be to live to be living more in the here and now. Yes, because so many people do think constantly, oh, what's going to happen tomorrow? Or what am I going to do tomorrow? Live now. Because you can't you, you can't predict the future. But then what's the point in worrying about it if you're not in the present moment now? Yeah, that's right. Definitely. Oh, I love that. <laughs> because I find with breathwork, it, it is so different, no matter my mood or my cycle or whatever I'm doing, it really brings it back. And, and yeah, you can live in that moment because you are breathing right there and then rather than bringing it into the future but then also you're bringing fresh oxygen into your body your lungs are working better your heart's working better your brain's better so it's yeah it's an all-win situation yeah absolutely it really is it's amazing and are there any other mindfulness practices that you do with your clients or you practice oh there are so many yeah, mind really. different mindfulness practices so very helpful practices are, of course, body awareness practices to always start there, becoming more aware of the actual sensations in the body, because often we are so cut off from our body. That's always really a foundational practice to come back to body awareness, becoming more intimate with how the body is feeling, making friends with the body. And then, of course, mindfulness of breathing, becoming more aware of the breath and the body and that the breath is not separate from the body, but that the breath is always there and that we can use it to again, come closer to our own experience and to have a focus of attention to steady the mind. So that's why the breath work is so important. 
it's a, such a great focus to steady the mind because the breath is always there. And then with clients, and when I have coaching clients, I often do a mindfulness practice inviting people to notice a few things they see around them. Yeah, so using the senses, coming back to our senses, particularly people who arrive who are really on autopilot and stressed, I invite them to come back to their senses, to see what they see and to share it with me, to notice some sounds, to notice something they feel, maybe the fresh air on the skin or the uh, sensations of the feet on the ground, on the earth. Maybe they want to touch something or they smell something. And coming back to our senses immediately brings us into the present moment, more grounded, more open. So these are a few, but there are many, many mindfulness practices. That's amazing. Yes. And what um, would you say journaling as well, like journaling out of your thoughts or? Yeah. I often encourage people to journal every day, preferably or it's helpful to journal after having done a meditation to then reflect a little bit on, on sort of how how we are in that moment it's like a checking in with oneself an honest checking in how am i this morning what's my mood what are some of my thoughts and then maybe setting an intention for the day today i want to be curious and open i want to care for myself i want to have a lunch break i want to take some time out things like that so very very helpful journaling because of course when we reflect in writing we become even more aware of what's happening in our experience in yeah, our life we do yeah and do you would you say that we have to be spiritual or not really it can just be a general like mindfulness in general can be just a, a daily practice yeah absolutely can be a daily practice i personally believe we are all spiritual beings because we are interconnected we are not separate from others and the wider world and the cosmos so by nature, I think each one of us is spiritual and we all have a longing to be connected to something that's bigger than ourselves. And um, depending on where we are in our life, of course, mindfulness practice can be the practice of becoming more aware of what's happening moment by moment yeah, in our body, in our feelings, in our thoughts, what's happening between me and my partner, my friends, what I notice when I'm outside or what I notice what's going on around me. It is, it's more to do with as well being present, like what are you feeling today or how are you feeling or noticing when you're outside, noticing the wind against your face or yeah, the sun on your body, just little things become then one big thing, the more yeah. you do it. Yeah. And also when we become more mindful, I guess, we become more sensitive to beauty around us. We see more life happening because our awareness broadens. And so we realize, gosh, there is more going on than I thought. It's not just all difficult or painful or terrible. Life is difficult and challenging. And there's a lot of beauty happening every day as well. And so when we practice awareness, becoming more aware, our overall experience of life broadens and, be, and life becomes richer because we also see more beauty, the small things. 
That's so true. Yes. And what are two takeaway points from today's conversation? Well, I want to say that's really up to each one of you listening in. I would say um, making time for practice, making time for being time. Life is not just about doing. And we do need to be well in ourselves. We do need to make time for ourselves to meditate or to sit quietly, to journal, to reflect. The payoff is huge. So being clear what matters and doing it. And we matter. And the other takeaway I would say is um, yeah, spending time in nature. I think it's so crucial because we are connected with nature. We are part of nature. And when we spend time in nature, in my experience, everything changes. When I'm a little bit out of sorts, I go out into nature and I feel completely different afterwards. Indeed. And that could, that could be sitting in the garden or just stepping out or stepping to the window and looking at the sky. But if you have a green space near you, just go out for 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Because you just feel so much better, definitely. So much better, with so much more perspective, new ideas. Yes. And where can we find you? What's your website or your social media channels? Yeah, so my website is greenspacecoaching.com. And I'm only active on LinkedIn these days, uh, just because I don't want to spend so much time on social media. So I've narrowed it down to one channel, LinkedIn, so you can find me there. And also I offer a, a complimentary initial chat for anyone who is interested in working with me. So that's completely free of charge. It's an initial chat to find out more about me. Perfect. Oh, thank you so much. It's been really lovely chatting to you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, it's been lovely. Thank you. Oh, so as always, I would love to hear your thoughts about this episode. So please leave a comment or tag me on social media using at Yogi Gemma. I'm always so grateful to hear your thoughts. And thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to this episode. I will be back next week with another one, another fun episode for you guys to listen to. And also please leave a review on iTunes or like and subscribe to this podcast because it really means the world to me. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much and I will see you very soon. Music